Hi everyone, it's Janice from the Divorcing Religion Podcast. Did you know that it costs me money to produce each episode of this podcast? I'd really appreciate your help to keep my show on the air and helping other people. Please join me over on Patreon, where you can also find commercial-free episodes, and the links are in the show notes. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Divorcing Religion Podcast. I'm your host, Janice Selby. I'm a registered professional counselor and a religious recovery consultant. My guest today is fellow Canadian Kelly Hofer, who is a visual content producer in Calgary, Alberta. Kelly grew up on a Hutterite colony in Manitoba, where he was the only photographer in a culture that is not supportive of photography. At age 19, Kelly made the difficult decision to leave his home on the colony due to his sexuality and to pursue art as a career. As a result, he has acquired the title of ex-Hutterite, which is a title he proudly carries because there is much about his culture that he does love. Kelly now works in the mediums of photography, film, wearable tech, wow, I want to hear more about that, electrical engineering, furniture design, and other experimental art forms. He describes his creative process as bringing two traditionally unmarried concepts together. Welcome, Kelly. It's nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so curious uh, all about what it was like to grow up how to write, and I'm also curious about the idea of uh, wearable <laughs> technology. <laughs> uh, does that sound so sci-fi to me? But maybe we'll start uh, right at the beginning. If you'll talk to us a little bit about what is a what is a Hutterite and what's it like growing up in a Hutterite colony? Okay, so uh, a Hutterite is kind of a uh, cultural religious group here in uh, the prairies of Canada and the states. There's probably 500 colonies. Each, on average, has 100 to 150 people in it. Um, it's a very religious culture, so it stems off of the Anabaptist movement, where the Mennonites and the Amish are kind of our sister cultures. The one way we do differ from those, though, is that um, we live communally. So all the there's. All the 500 communities are run like a socialist culture. Um, there's one bank account for everyone. Everyone is taken care of equally as much as possible. And um, there's technically no private property, even though there is a little bit. Um, and usually people are born and grow up in that culture. It's not very common to join, nor is it very easy. And in terms of growing up, I'd say it was a beautiful childhood. It was like socially very conducive to developing. It was, uh, there was lots of opportunities to learn from all sorts of people in the colony, like through mentorship and just by helping out with whatever labor was needed. Um, and quite conservative, correct? I, I don't know. Did you have TV? Did you have radio? Were no. you allowed to listen to those things? No. Okay. No TV. There was some radio, but it was kept kind of under wraps. I think that's changed a little bit more in the more recent years with the introductions of cell phones, the kind of the tightness of or the censorship around media has loosened a tiny bit, especially in some colonies like mine. 
But in terms of uh, values, it is very conservative. There's the freedom of expression is limited. The freedom of travel is limited. The freedom of religion is non-existent. Um, the freedom of association is fairly limited. Uh, mm. So it's kind of more challenging the older you get as an adult and those freedoms become more and more important right. and more relevant. Yeah. So, so would you have I, all, I, everybody had their own house? Like each family had their yeah, own yeah. house? Each family has their own house. Um, our colony specifically has like a ring of houses and they're all centered around the kitchen, church, community, um, kind of cook area, community storage, freezer, cooler, laundromat, and children's dining room. That's all in one building. So it's all the houses are centered around that with school on one side and then business on the other side. And then gardening on the other side, I guess. Um, so yeah, it was very agrarian growing up. Our colony specifically, though, we don't raise any livestock anymore. After the 2008 market crash, we went out of that and switched to doing just uh, building fire trucks, building kitchen cabinets, and farming eight, 10,000 acres, somewhere around there. Oh, and building fire trucks, that seems like a like a huge endeavor uh, to do. Yeah. So it's like a factory that's right on the colony. Yep. So we started initially by helping a local fire department out by fixing their fire truck. And we thought it was easy enough to do. So we kept on doing it and started building them and then started selling them and really haven't stopped. And it's it's the really busy business now um i think they're right. several years back ordered wow. that's where i got my background in electrical engineering i was helping doing that and i was also cnc water jet operator like cutting all the materials for those fire trucks because we do build them basically from scratch so we get in just the truck and chassis and build the pump the whole back end and assemble everything together amazing and so i'm guessing the men and the boys could do that, and the women were pretty much relegated to cooking, cleaning, kitchen. Is that accurate? That's Gardening. pretty accurate. There has been, a like, since I left, which was uh, 10, 11 years ago now, uh, women have started helping out in the shop a lot more. So there's probably three or four females now working in the shop for different roles as well now, which is a huge improvement. Mm -hmm. um, that's not usually typical that's pretty unheard of across if you sample to all colonies usually women are relegated to homemaking cleaning sewing raising children like those roles and men uh, sorry in gardening whereas men generally are more in the industrial uh, livestock and farming side right yeah. and somehow in in the that mix growing up in a conservative uh, culture and it's I'm a somewhat insulated culture. You must have had people you're dealing with people from out the outside community because they're ordering the the products. So yep. would they come right on to the colony? Yep. Yeah, quite okay. often. Depends on where they were, but they'd usually come to the colony for specking out a fire truck, sitting down for the meetings, and then before final delivery to um kind of approve everything but in general we had a decent amount of traffic come through the colony for buying stuff or 
sometimes social visits for we have a few engineers working on in the factory um and then generally for business side of things we had a decent amount of people come through okay and were friendships and relationships with outsiders encouraged or discouraged i wouldn't say it's either of those very strongly like the environment isn't set up to foster really deep relationships just by nature of the isolation in terms of like romantic relationships it's definitely discouraged in terms of just collegial like business hanging out relationships it's not really controlled too much i say that knowing full well that it is controlled but like it's hard to quantify i suppose okay okay and somewhere along the way a a camera or a photographer managed to make it uh, onto your colony and you became captivated yeah like i started not from meeting another photographer i actually started i was doing drawing and painting and photo editing before i was shooting photos um and i got access to a camera just from my dad the high school principal having a camera in our house like the school camera so i would just take it shoot some photos and sort of develop that and then eventually got to meet more and more photographers through that through sharing that um i was gifted a camera by a photographer who passed away like two three years ago um but it it was quite challenging because cameras weren't really allowed from a storytelling perspective i'd say they were allowed just to like document like the building of fire trucks for example so that we could sell them they were there for school projects but when it came to documentary storytelling that was not really encouraged because it put a spotlight on people that didn't want the spotlight especially when i posted them online so i had that a lot of issues with that aspect of the, the sharing specifically of photography throughout the years of growing up and shooting there um but in terms of art in general it's not terribly supported like you can do art sure but it's not something that's a career choice it's not something that you can do instead of your work or anything like that and did your parents feel that way too Uh, they definitely didn't see it as a as a as being something that was a viable full-time role like that was never never an option like i don't think they ever just stopped me from doing that stuff other than to do other community oriented stuff but it was never stopping for the sake of stopping so i'd say they were moderately to quite supportive of that nice okay and what about siblings do you come from a large family are most of the families large most of the families are decently large by modern standards i'd say average of five to seven children in like my era Mm -hmm. Uh, both of my parents had 11 siblings i had something like 42 aunts and uncles and 100 and something first cousins wow I think my dad had like 270 first cousins. Oh my gosh. So I can't even imagine very, that. 
very, very, very massive families in that era. That I think that's gone down a pretty dramatic amount. Like it went from, I think there was a UFC study in in uh, 1961 or something that put the average family size at 10.7 children per female on average. Wow. wow. Um, I'd say that's closer to four now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so um, when people are becoming of marrying age, I don't even know what marrying age would be on a colony. Like, do you do you finish high school? Does high school go to grade 12 and then you get married after that? Or does it just totally depend on the individual? Or It depends pretty much on the individual. But for the high school question, it depends on the colony and the region. Mm -hmm. So in Manitoba, most colonies offer high school education and have for about 15 odd years now. For boys and girls. And boys and girls. Mm -hmm. In Alberta and Saskatchewan, um, it's generally not offered, especially in Alberta. Most colonies do not offer anything past grade eight, wow. even though it's a public school system and publicly funded, which is very confusing to me because it puts the, the wishes of the minister in controlling the amount of education over the wishes of the student or the family or the teacher. It's educational neglect I, at the least. It is. And it's supported by the government. And I've tried to change it. And it hasn't really come far because... The deal that the government made with the colonies is that in exchange for not imposing high school education on the colony, the colony will stay in the public school system rather than going to private or um, homeschooling. So that shitty deal was uh, some government decided it was the right thing to do. And all the students have to just put up with it. Wow. And like, there is one way of overcoming it, and that's to um, do it like the Manitoba colonies did, where they built their own interactive uh, kind of Zoom-like um, system in the early 90s between all the colonies. Uh, that connected all the different colonies and gave them, gave individual teachers access to 60 students instead of three, like for a specific grade or subject. And that system is what made um high school in our colony possible it's also what brought the internet in even though it was a very censored version of the internet um and it made school in general palatable for the ministers because it was still culturally relevant and done on the colony so interesting wow okay so some colonies um have um high school that maybe can go up to grade 11 or 12, some finish at grade 8 or 9. What do you think mm -hmm. is an average marrying age? Uh, probably 25, somewhere oh, around there. Oh, much older than I thought. Yeah, so, like, the youngest I've seen is, like, 19-ish, mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. maybe maybe younger, but I doubt that it would go younger than 18. Hey. I don't think that's even allowed. Um for marriage for marriage you have to be baptized so usually you become of a certain age when you decide you want to be baptized then you become baptized only then are you eligible to get married mm. um so that's kind of part of the anabaptist side of the uh, of things is that you aren't baptized into the culture when you're born but rather you get baptized when you choose to so i think it's a little less coercive on that front than, let's say, the Catholic Church, where you're automatically 
inserted into the church with no way out. Mm-hmm. Whereas on colonies, and especially like within the Amish culture, they have the room swing and like they have kind of they encourage you to leave before you decide uh, whether or not you want to be a permanent part of the church. So I think that's an admirable thing to do, but that on a Hutterite colony that doesn't really exist. They, like leaving is quite shameful and it isolates you from your family a lot, especially for some people. It, it's a lot more isolating because they're very close with their family. For me, I'm like medium close to my family because it's just been putting up with um, the struggles of being gay and trying to visit for like 10 years. It's just like, I'm so over it. Mm-hmm. I'm so done with like trying to prove my worth that I've just started letting those relationships be what they are. Yeah, that's so. Then I had one additional question around. Uh, marriage and romantic relationships uh because the colonies aren't that big then are people encouraged to uh go to neighboring colonies when they're looking for a mate do they have like a dance or a social thing where people can (laughs) i can't imagine it being a dance but just getting to know each other there's a lot of different uh, kind of social ways to meet someone uh Oftentimes on weekends, we just fill up a van with the young boys or the young girls and go to another colony and visit for the weekend as like the group of 12 or whatever, how many fit into a van or a bus. Um, Funerals would be obviously very social. Uh, Marriages would be extremely social. The the school system I just described, um, where we have like basically high school via Zoom, um that is very social because we'd have gatherings for each respective class multiple times a year and we'd meet all of our peers from all the colonies um and then when your family visits or some family on your colony visits their relatives in another colony they'd always fill up the vehicle and you just tag along and meet people so there's quite a lot of ways of meeting each other and then to prevent inbreeding because i'm assuming that's kind of the underlying question Uh, we have both uh, a book and app uh, genealogy. So I can go on my phone here right now and I can just look up any random Hutterite. Let me see if I can do this quickly and just click in to see how related they are to me. So I can go under colonies. All the colonies are listed. I can go to a random one. I'll just pick a random colony here. Yeah and press how they're related to me and this person called michael is my like this won't focus probably no. oh, yeah okay there we go yeah is my, Kelly is is my fourth cousin and it gives <laughs> wow. all the different iter- it used to give all the iterations back to 10th cousin wow um but they've released they've removed the the extra thing so um our genealogy is pretty much entirely intact till the 1730s Wow. Okay. And people are encouraged to have uh, cell phones or have access to apps uh, like that for when it comes to dating or anything like that. Yeah. Like usually cell phone, like most males on the colony that are baptized, especially on most colonies will have cell phones. Um, It's only some colonies where females or males that are not baptized or occasionally females that are not baptized will have cell phones 
Is it a and, trust issue? Uh, I think so. Patriarchy. I honestly, I, I think it's a, a, like, it's definitely a sexist issue. Mm-hmm. Like, men are definitely far more likely to have access to computers and the internet and cell phones in general. Um, but I think it's also sort of a trust issue where ministers want to keep their people under control. And mm. there's a lot of that. Like with the internet in our colony, it's heavily censored. You have to have to ask for permission if you want a, a website that's not whitelisted. Um, and it has been like that since the start. So it it definitely comes across as the idea that um censorship is seen as necessary to keep people placated, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. (laughs) Wow. It's so interesting because it's uh, so different from the life that we live on the outside. So then you got into your late teens and I imagine you were starting to think about career choices as well, being a little bit limited uh, on the colony, but also um, just sexuality, romance, things that were appealing to you. I mean, that is such a huge decision to make, to leave the life that you've known. Yeah, I I knew fairly early on that I'd leave. Like, okay. I'd say probably around the age of 12, I was like fairly set on the idea of leaving. Really? I'd say around the age of 14 to 16, I really figured out that I was gay. And like, it took many years to really figure out where I was on on the spectrum. Was I like bisexual was i straight was i gay how gay was i was it changeable (laughs) like i i had very little information and even our internet like couldn't really look stuff up because it was heavily censored that's right yeah so like i definitely learned how to use tools to overcome that censorship like vpns and like Uh, i i looked up the same tools that um the chinese would have used to get past their firewall in that age and they worked quite well Mm-hmm. Um, and having access to that information definitely answered a lot of questions. Um, it gave me more assurance in knowing who I was. And then eventually just leaving and talking to other gay Hutterites and um, kind of hearing their stories, that was also like very empowering and very like kind of making me more confident in knowing what I knew. Yeah. Um, Did you, do you think your family had any idea that you were planning on leaving? Like, was that something you would say to them when you were growing up? I'm not going to be staying here. No. I, I didn't really give them any clue. Like, I'm sure it was pretty hard to hide from my mother because she knows everything. It's hard to hide things from your mother. (laughs) Um, But it didn't seem like anyone knew. At least they never told me that they knew that I'd leave. Mm -hmm. Um, So. And I did it like during breakfast when everyone was at community at the community hall during breakfast. So they didn't really know for maybe an hour or two till I texted them. Like you just packed everything left. I'd left? Yeah, I biked away. <laughs> <laughs> oh and and it was gosh. filmed by the BBC, no less. Oh. <laughs> what? Yeah. How'd that happen? Yeah, uh I was they were shooting a documentary about Hutterites in a neighboring colony that my mother was from. They had wanted to do it in our colony, and they'd gotten to know me through my photos that I posted online. And um, I was their fixer and kind of their, I did their commercial stills, like for the uh, wow. documentary, and then eventually ended up being a subject. 
Um, yeah, so they uh, filmed me leaving the colony in first two or three days here in Calgary. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, I came out to them like in the interview process, like in the documentary, but I asked them to not include it in the final documentary because I didn't know the air date. Right. Because we had filmed it a few months before I had left, and I mm -hmm. didn't know when it would come out and mm -hmm. where I would be with my coming out process. Ah. But I ended up coming out the same week I left, so it wouldn't have been a problem. So they sort of hint to it in the documentary, but it they don't really reveal it, I guess. Is the documentary still available? Can people watch it? I think there's parts of it available. Um there's the short segment that I'm in on my website, like at kellyhofer.com under the about page. Okay. But I think they removed the full length version from YouTube. Okay. They did All the right. old copyright strike thing. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So you, uh, were you also coming out as atheist? Like when you texted your family, do you just say, uh, it doesn't fit me anymore. I'm leaving. No. I'll be in touch. No, um, I have like, my memories aren't really super clear anymore as to like how I kind of reveal that. But if I, if my memory serves me correctly, I never really was religious, like even on the colony, like I did go through all the like necessary hoops and nonsense that you have to do when you're religious, like go to church go to Sunday school. We had our German school every morning before English school and on okay. Saturdays. So there was lots of verse recitation and singing. What about baptism? And, uh, baptism, I wasn't the age of doing that. So, and I wouldn't, wouldn't do that anyway. That's <laughs> stupid to me. Mm -hmm. um, so like in terms of coming out as atheist, I, I've always just been very science oriented. I've always been very apathetic about religion. I never really believed in God that I can remember, even as a child. Like I might have said I believed it, but there was no conviction to that in any capacity that I know of. So I I don't even feel like I had to deprogram myself. It was just writing under the radar and just letting it go once I left because I didn't have to keep up the lies anymore and stuff like that. Did you have a place to stay when you left? Yeah, my sister um, lives here in Calgary and she left like seven or so years before I did. Really? And you had so kept I, in touch with her? Yeah. Well, she picked me up. So like when I left, um, she was visiting and then drove away and was like, goodbye family and like left. And then just stuck around at the edges of the colony. And when everyone went to, to dinner or to breakfast, I was like, went and joined her. Okay. So she helped me leave. And then I stayed with her for like two months. Um, got to work at the same place she was working at. Um, Were your parents trying to draw you back at all? Back into the fold, as they say? Actually, no. Which was quite surprising because... Every Hutterite that leaves, there's there's just a non-stop, hey, when are you coming back? Mm, Life would be better here. But mm. I came out, like, basically, I think it was the first phone call home that I told them that I was gay. 
And that made it, and it came out very publicly on my Facebook as well. And that made it pretty clear pretty early that I was very incompatible with that lifestyle. And let's say once in 12 years, I've been asked, when will I come back? Mm-hmm. Whereas my sister, who's straight and now married with children, I'm sure she gets asked every visit. Really? And, and, and certainly, like, in the early years, it would be, like, incessant, nonstop, annoying, and just very tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because, That's like, incredible. she left for her reasons and for everyone to just always doubt them and be like, oh, it's better here. And, like, better for whom? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a kind of a cloistered environment and control is a word that you used uh, earlier and that absolutely that that does come into play as well uh, in these insular uh, religious groups that the Mm -hmm. pastor, the leaders have to be exerting a certain amount of control to enforce the rules, keep people towing the line, keep people from having too much interest in what goes on in the outside uh, world. And also, of course, then Sadly, that does uh, make conditions uh, ripe for predators uh, in some different uh, Mm -hmm. places as well, because, of course, we're told that we must forgive and there's all the secret Mm -hmm. keeping and all these other things. So there are some real legitimate dangers that go along with uh, insular religious groups. I have a few friends that have definitely been on, on that receiving end, like in horrific ways mm-hmm. not so much in the hadrai culture but in other similar cultures i'd say like there I, I would probably hazard a guess that it's probably a lower rate of predators on hadrai colonies than in the general outside world if i had mm-hmm. to just casually make a guess from what i know mm-hmm. so i i think that the community structure is very like good at trying to avoid that and properly punishing people sending them to jail through the normal court system if they do um mm-hmm. do that yeah. like i definitely have an extended family member that falls into that category and they just went to jail for that mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. It, and that's only fair so yes. yeah. but it, it does it does open it's like it's also open to a lot of other types of predatory activity like in terms of thought control and terms of um creating an environment where only certain types of activities are allowed and everyone monitors everyone else like i i think that's a large part of the control mechanism is controlling each other and keeping each other in line i especially noticed that with um like in terms of uh, females in the colony like where older females would keep younger ones in line so like it's very unequal from a sex from a um a sex perspective like between male and female but it's not necessarily always just the males keeping um females in line or anything mm-hmm. like that it's also mm-hmm. the older females so it's a very strange thing to understand or to try to understand because in the many years of trying to figure out why they'd put up with such inequality i have yet to find a valid answer that doesn't involve just a bronze age book right yes <laughs> and then of course just being completely conditioned uh yeah. exactly so um is there 
a decent amount of support for people who leave the colonies. Was it shocking for you? Like you had already been off the colony because you'd gone to other ones. Had you spent time in Calgary? No. No. So then that had to be a bit of a culture shock. Yeah, that was, it was a pretty big culture shock. I'd say the things that were the hardest to get used to were the social, the way the social fabric works. Okay. Like, um, for example, here in Calgary, if I want to hang out with someone, you have to do this elaborate planning, sometimes weeks in advance, to figure out this two-hour window where you can hang out. Whereas on the colony, you just go to their place and walk in, and they're generally there because they're not traveling. You know their work schedule because you're working with them. So, like, the ease of social interaction is far higher on a colony, and it makes it a lot more social overall. Like, there's a higher amount of social activity from just taking away all that friction. But on the other hand, it's a lot more limited because you have only a certain social group and you basically have to stick to that for the rest of your life because the colony doesn't add new people at a prolific rate. Wow. It's like you're either born into it or you marry, if you're a female, into the man's colony. Those are like the two ways the colony's population would change. And death, wow. I guess. And so, what's your guess? Uh, f- I mean, percentage-wise, for how many people um, leave, like reject it and choose to leave altogether? Because it would be so hard to leave your family, the only culture you've only known. Let's say twenty-ish percent leave at some point in their life, and I would probably say eighty percent of those return at some point. Really. Probably on average after three to five years. And it's, I'd say it's higher for males or more common for males to leave than females. Mm-hmm. I think it's in part because they have more connections with the outside world and they generally have more of the skills that you were required in workforce out here. Like, mm-hmm. not to say the women's skills are useless, it's just building a career around homemaking isn't terribly easy yeah yeah there's better options um for the males who leave for sure um and then so what uh what's the support um like when you got out so you've been out 10 years or so um was your sister able to say oh here's a group of us who have left like she did have how to write friends but i tend to avoid them or have throughout my entire, like, after having left. Like friends, she has uh, friends who are still Hutterites. Yeah, and ex-Hutterites as well. And Okay, okay, and you so, avoid like, them. I got to know a few of them, but it's not something I base my social group around. Mm-hmm. So, like, bit, right from the start, I was pretty, like, set on the idea that I would never be going back. So I started building a social group and have developed a pretty large one here in Calgary either through work or just through the gay community or through the artist slash entrepreneur community here in Calgary. Um, and photography is a really good way of doing that. Like I just get to meet new people on a daily basis, almost. Um, it's pretty challenging though. I'd say for most Hutterites that leave to build a social group because they have a level of comfort that they've kind of like settled into in terms of who they hang out with. And 
if you come out and you only associate with other Hutterites, of which there aren't a lot of out here, it tends to be quite limiting and it still gives off a lot of the same dogmatic vibes. Yeah. Um, so I've tended to avoid them for the most part, except for like some gay Hutterite friends that I'll stay close with. But aside from that, I tend to avoid them because I just don't connect with that. And a lot of them are still homophobic and still very religious. And I definitely don't connect with either of those. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I can't imagine the uh, intense conflict that um, people might feel if they are they're were raised on the colony, they're living there, and if they have bought into all the the Bible stuff as well, and yet they also innately understand that they are gay, uh, yep. and so they just feel the self hatred and pressure and stress, and well, do I have I have to marry someone and have kids because that's what I'm supposed to do, even though I'm not really all that interested. Yeah, there's definitely a few examples that I've seen of that not going terribly well, like. I have friends that have whole families at home that left after not being able to do that anymore. I have other friends that are deeply religious and gay, and they exhibit it just as being Jesus freaks, essentially. Like, mm -hmm. they, they overcompensate, and it's just not very pretty and very transparent to me, because I've kind of, like, I see where they're coming from. And, like, there's a few that would like to just stay at home and not have to either be full-on Jesus freak, but also not lose the community in camping out, and that's really not possible. Like, I've heard there's some people that have come out to a handful of people in the colony, and I'd say maybe two that I've heard of where it's gone okay. Mm. Um, the rest have either been kicked out, ostracized, or... I don't know whatever happened to them, but it's, I'd say 98% of colonies, it's not a good survival mechanism to come out of the closet there. Right. Like you will be kicked out, either like actually kicked out of the colony or just by making it unbearable, like making the environment unbearable for you through social isolation and so on. And then you just want to leave. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. it's not very nice. And for the friends that I do know that have left and like like deal with all of that, even getting psychi uh, psychiatric help isn't it hasn't been like terribly fruitful because the problem still exists and they're still rejected by their family. And mm -hmm. like the mm -hmm. only thing left to do is to change the culture, I guess. Is right. to take do that energy that and just change it. Do you think that might happen? There's definitely, like, through storytelling and through just exposure to gay issues, I think people are becoming more comfortable talking about it. In terms of acceptance, it's a lot harder to do because you cannot really stray from the community's stance, and the community can't really stray from the official cultural stance because both your col your colony can get kicked out of the Hutterite culture or, oh. or um, isolated where you're not allowed to visit or anything like that. Oh. But that also happens at a personal level where you can get socially just isolated. So it's, it's a terrible situation to be in 
um, to be a hot right and gay and mm-hmm. or to be lesbian and gay or to be trans and gay because yeah. I have friends in all three of those categories and mm-hmm. most of them have just discontinued any relationships with people at home because mm-hmm. it's easier than having to put up with it trying to put up with their dogmatic bullshit mm-hmm. um trying to put on put up with their like bible thumping mm-hmm. jesus freaky nonsense like there's just so much ignoring of reality to keep up this fake community harmony right that all the issues just get swept under the rug instead of being openly addressed and actually healthily dealt with yeah and so when you uh left and you notified your family that you'd um left was there did you go a period of time like after especially after you left and you came out to them as gay was there a period of time where you didn't talk to each other where they just needed to digest the the news and kind of process the news i would say so there was a few there was probably about a half a year to a year i didn't really talk to them at all and then I didn't visit for four to five years because I wasn't allowed. Um, oh, you weren't allowed. Wow. And when yeah, you were like, allowed because you were gay or because you left? Because I was gay. And mm. I always knew which one it was because my I had my sister as a as a kind of A-B check. Like, yeah. for example, I wasn't allowed to go to my uh, grandpa's funeral. One of my best friends died in a car crash. I wasn't allowed oh, to go to no. his funeral. Oh, that's terrible. Um, my brother's wedding I wasn't allowed to go to. I was just able to go to his engagement party because it was in another colony where my minister didn't exert control. Mm. Um, so, and then subsequently, there's been many times where I've just either not been allowed to visit or um, it's just been so, there's just so much bullshit you have to put up with in asking for permission that I just don't bother anymore. Mm-hmm. And I I don't need to be de I don't don't need to be dehumanized all over again every time. Exactly, exactly. And you're living your life with integrity. You are being honest and saying, "Yeah, this this is this is who I am. This is how I am." And then to be penalized for that honesty, whereas you could you could pretend, you could lie about it, and that would be okay. That's what I always ask them: is like, do you prefer me to lie for the rest of my life, or do you want me to be (sighs) honest and? They always choose lie because they want me to deny the choice of being gay. And I'm like, mm. no, it's not a fucking choice mm-hmm. any more than you being a male or female is a choice. Mm. Like, mm. it's it's just not how it works. Right. So it's been quite challenging on that front. And the, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, well, it's gone. That's okay. I actually <laughs> wanted to um, ask you, it looks like maybe there's a piano in your background. Did you, um, I don't know what music is like on the colonies. Um, this piano is my boyfriend's. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks great. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he studied piano, got his major in piano, went to Juilliard, went to Paris to study. Oh my god! And gosh. we were gifted that a few years ago. Uh, but he currently lives in Edmonton for two years to get his degree in education. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just housing his piano in my office while right. he's doing that. And so then I do, pl- it- I do play it a little bit. I do play oh, it a little did? bit. And I, I did play the keyboard on the colony along with some harmonica. And um, was that for praise and worship? 
Like when would there be music going on? People playing keyboard. It, it would it would generally not be for praise and worship in the official sense, like at church or anything. It would always be behind closed doors at home at night, just with your little social group. Um, it's it varies a decent amount on from colony to colony. Like some don't allow instruments at all ever. Some have them like at the community kitchen when they're singing. They'll accompany them with keyboard or, or piano or um guitar but i'd say 99 percent of the instruments are either piano guitar or harmonica and the music ranges from gospel to country <laughs> that's the range okay <laughs> oh my gosh yeah hmm. out of I'm... the out of the thousands and thousands of genres of music that's the range not a very big one and so um what's it been like uh then as you have ventured into the dating world uh well actually and even in the in the career world to tell people that you grew up um how to write is there you know are people surprised they just have a lot of questions or are they like i don't even yes. know what a how to write is um, in Alberta, most people know what Hutterites are, so that's generally not not something that's strange to them everywhere else in the world, except for Saskatchewan or Manitoba, probably. Nobody knows what Hutterites are, so it usually starts a few innocent questions and they realize kind of the gist of what Hutterites are, and then it's just at questions till I leave. Oh. <laughs> um, in terms of the dating world, or the like, Sorry, um, the world of like working as a photographer, I'd say it's a really good marketing mechanism because it makes something that people remember me by. That's right. I, I think it's been quite useful on that front to have a how to write background because it's it's a story to tell. It's a way to connect with people. It's a way for them to learn and ask questions without talking small talk, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, in the dating world. Um, I don't think it's mattered too much. Like, I probably come with a lot of baggage on that front that I'm personally not aware of because <laughs> it's just normal life to me. Um, but it hasn't really been a hindrance on that front. That's um, great. Yes. Again, it's something that's more interesting than it is, like, bad baggage, as far as I can tell. And do you provide support um, to uh, other gay, either Hutterites or ex-Hutterites? Like, are you someone they can, that they reach out to or that they are aware of you? Definitely, and all of the time. Um, I don't do a lot of, like, the direct help in that uh, I won't help them leave generally or provide money for them. I don't have the resources for that. Um, in terms of helping them out, usually I've had probably between 30 and 50 Hutterites come out to me and ask for help in different ways, asking for advice on how to deal with the issue, asking kind of how I dealt with it. And it's usually quite challenging to help because they're often so isolated and they have very limited communication access. So like, Sometimes they'll be even using their dad's or um, someone else's oh, cell dear. phone to contact oh, me. Yeah. So 
Like I've had cases where they were using their dad's email address and then just having to delete the email and oh, asking you to reply only at certain times. Oh dear. So like, like outreach is actually fairly challenging because of the isolation of communication. Um, but I do try to help them in telling them to finish their, their education if they are allowed to. Um, and if they can't to try and get their GED or whatever other options they have, I usually try to tell them to save up money. Um, I am obviously very anti-religion, so <laughs> I'm definitely being like, well, if you want to live with a non-competing narrative, you might want to drop religion because it is very much at odds in this specific circumstance with feeling normal as a gay person or as a lesbian or trans person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and then we all, I also run one Facebook group and am part of another, um, like, uh, chat, um, group that mm -hmm. is filled with gay ad rights. And they're both like closed off to the rest of the world. They're like secret and encrypted. Um, but that allows for a lot of like community building within our sub community. Mm -hmm. And it's been, it's been really nice. Like it, it's not so much about building a community, but rather about connecting individuals and giving them like a social life where they can talk about themselves honestly to even one person, okay. which would have been a hundred percent improvement for where from what I had when I exactly. was gay and on the colony exactly. because there was just nobody there. Um, mm. So those, those groups have been very excellent for that, for both advancing the narrative, trying to, push for more uh, exposure um getting people with comfortable talking about their struggles so yeah it's been it's been quite nice for that is there any sort of um brick and mortar like i know uh i've spoken with you before about the project i'm working on for a recovery center or a series of recovery centers across the united states and canada for people who are leaving insular religious groups or high demand groups. So it's mm -hmm. one thing which is so excellent to have you just to, to talk to and the group to talk to, but it's quite another thing if someone is literally escaping on their bicycle with their backpack and that's it. And they don't, they don't have a place to go. They don't know what to do. They've never even been to the city before. Yeah. Well, usually they'll like, there will be at least some exposure to the outside world. So like, it's not completely isolated on that front. Um, but in terms of a landing space, there is nothing. There's absolutely nothing of that sort. The closest I would say there is to something like that is um, Hutterite business owners in and around the large cities that often employ Hutterites. That's probably about the closest to that and that's no guarantee that it's a safe space that's just a landing space mm. um i'd say the there's like refugee outreach programs here in calgary like the rainbow rainbow railroad i believe it's called or stuff like that i think that would actually be a useful resource but it's not focused on hutterites it's usually on refugees um because Hutterites are not really seen as refugees, even though you're switching your whole culture, your whole social yeah, you're group. You're a refugee in your own country. Yeah. So 
Yeah, there's not much in that front, sadly, and I don't have the resources or the mm-hmm. mental capacity to mm-hmm. make that happen myself. Like right. it would require a lot more than just me. Exactly. And currently there's under five Hutterites that are actively trying to change the narrative on gay rights. Um so it's a very, very, very small group in a population of fifty thousand people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like all of the rest, I would say, are still in the closet or just so dissociated from their colony that they really don't put the effort into trying to change that. Mm-hmm. They've just given up on trying to fight religion, I guess. Yes. And, I, I um, personally find it often entertaining to fight religion because it's <laughs> full of so much hypocrisy and um, just inconsistencies like just mm-hmm. within their own text so like mm-hmm. oftentimes i'll just fight verses with verses <laughs> mm-hmm. and like on mm-hmm. that front it's strange because i've gotten very good at countering the bible and i i have started to in some cases know it better than a lot of the people trying to use it against me <laughs> i'm like right. no i try again <laughs> yeah wow um so have you found the majority of uh, people who have left, um, they, they're they fine to just leave it all behind? Or has it, because for you, you, you never really bought in hook, line, and sinker the whole way along. But if some other people do, it can be a lot more of a gradual uh, process of mm-hmm. unpicking the conditioning and letting go of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it certainly varies a lot. And I think I was very lucky to have the education background that I had, especially with having a dad as a high school principal and a teacher. So, like, I was surrounded by a lot of, like, diverse educational material my whole life, and I think that helped a great deal in figuring out just the basis of reality. Not so much about gay rights or anything like that. That was never mentioned, but just the basis of reality. And then building a foundation upon that was... It it had definitely helped with keeping it a fairly easy to manage process, like the whole coming out and talking about it. Like it has never really felt too emotionally draining or too emotionally kind of unapproachable. It's always just been like very matter of fact and very like, well, this ain't true. So I'm not following mm-hmm. this. Right. It's always been right. kind of like that for me. Okay. And for your um, career path that you've followed, there are a lot of different uh, things that you are involved in and have been involved in. Would you say photography kind of remains your number one thing or passion? Okay. And what kind Um, of photos? So I am a commercial photographer here in Calgary. So I do mostly portraits, portraits, real estate and product photography for small to large businesses and for like tourism um for schools um so i mostly focus on that like i'll work with independent artists small marketing companies um and then the marketing divisions in larger companies i completely avoid all um wedding photography, baby photography, family photography, maternity, anything in that category of being cute. Mm -hmm. I just completely avoid that because I don't really connect with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. 
yeah, so I do commercial photography and that I use that to fund the rest of my hobbies. And then I do um, some carpentry, um, some industrial sculpture work. I've recently gotten into ceramics. Um, I've done a lot of wearable tech fashion design. Tell me what that is. What does that even mean? Wearable <laughs> technology. What? Um, so it was started with this group here in Calgary called Make Fashion. Um, and basically, we embed electronics, lights, and sensors into clothing. And usually, it's in the context of performance. So, like, um, for let's say a musician, they want to they want an outfit that helps them tell a story. Uh, we'll work with them to create something that lights up in response to something. We work a lot with dancers, a lot with circus uh, type companies with engineering and arts companies um oh, cool. i've done a fair amount of teaching on that front as well like i have taught uh wearable tech fashion workshops along with like uh i guess co like friends of mine i guess um in china and in europe and in the states and oh my gosh basically, basically we got get funded by governments to work with fashion designers and get them into stem careers like um, science technology arts and engineering and maths um so it's it's really good at improving kind of the representation within those technical um fields and it's really good it, it got me reinterested in um what's it called electrical engineering because mm -hmm. i did that on the colony with fire trucks and then that was just a role I was given because I was good with technology and computers and programming. So I did, I fell out of love with that, with that. And then here in Calgary, again, a friend of mine introduced me to wearable tech and it just made me love it again because it was aesthetically pleasing. It was interesting. It combined a bunch of different art forms. Yeah. And I still do it like every once in a while, I'll build something that fits into that category, but it's, like 0.1% of my time. <laughs> okay. Wow. You, you rode away from the colony and you have traveled around the world. You've been to places that uh, some of us will only dream of, and you are just doing things that you love to do. It's been such a joy talking to you and hearing your yeah. story. Thank you very much. How can people uh, find you? Um, um, just go by the name Kelly Hofer. So you can find my website, kellyhofer.com. Instagram is at Kelly Hofer. Um, yeah, just Google That's me. Great. You'll find me. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, I, I look forward to our paths, uh, potentially crossing again in the future. And I want to thank you again for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, I've enjoyed this. Great. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I, I hope you've enjoyed this chat as much as we have. Please take care, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you.